Welcome to Order of Operations, where we talk about security and things that matter. This is Travis, and uh, today I have my guest, Shmoo. Shmoo, yes. I am here to represent the people. <laughs> <laughs> people who aren't really into security, but still uh, are deeply impacted by it every day. Yeah. So uh, thanks for tuning in. A little intro to the project. I care deeply about computer security and uh, data security and things like that. And it seems like it's a good idea to share my opinions with other people and hear what other people have to think about that. So hopefully we can get some feedback from folks that are listening to this and we'll uh, bring it up on the next podcast. Yeah, I know everyone has questions for you when you talk at parties (laughs) (laughs) or just meet people. Yeah, and I'm just here to maybe ask you some questions that are on my mind, which is an average uh, gauging and level of awareness um, about digital security and and how it impacts different industries apart from IT and geeky stuff. Clouds. (laughs) Clouds. (laughs) So let's uh, let's start with some of your questions. What do you have for me today? Uh, Well, I know last time we talked a bit about password management, but one of the things that I think is, um, even I, having known you for a while, you know, what makes a good password, right? I think there's a lot of opinions about this, and this is something that directly impacts really anybody that uses the Internet. Anybody. So So what makes a good password is an excellent, excellent question. Um, Without getting into geeky terms like entropy and... Entropy. uh, Yeah, and time to uh, the, the cryptographic... Uh, methods that go into it. The the short answer is length matters. Uh, the longer the password, it, almost regardless of what characters are in it, with the exception of just, you know, a string of zeros or a string of A's or something like that, the, the longer the password, the harder it is going to be for either a person or a computer to guess what it is. So here's the question, though, because um, at least in the past, sites would often limit your password to a certain number of characters. And of course, the next thing I was going to rant about was the fact that they don't tell you until you come (laughs) up with a great password. And they're like, oh, no, it's no good. You got to have a maximum of this. Yeah, that's a a UI problem, not a password (laughs) problem. Um, But (laughs) yeah. Uh, also, so yeah, sites, sites that, like yeah, yeah. well, or, or whether the site is old or the, the mentality behind security is old, the concept that a char- that a password should be between eight and 16 characters is <laughs> extraordinarily outdated. The more limits that you put on what a password can be, the easier it is to write a tool that will guess what it is. Because if you go, your password has to be between 8 and 16 characters, and it must have at least one number in it, and it must have at least one special character in it, and it must have at least one uppercase. But no spaces. But no spaces, you know, and can't have, you know, backslashes uh, or uh, asterisks, just, you know, for example. And um, so... You know, when you're trying to crack that, you can go, okay, well, I've now limited the character set to these, and I don't, I, I get to exclude a huge amount of, of guesses that I know can't be good. So, uh, so sites with strong security, you'll see that they, they don't have any uh, or very few requirements on uh, minimum 
uh, security. And what they'll use is tools that analyze the type of password that you have and say, this password is difficult to guess. You should make it stronger and then give you suggestions on how to. It generally coming down to just making it longer. Um, I really like the sites that, like, when you're typing one in, it gives you this progress bar. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel so good. That the, those are my, you know, the the UI on that, the the game theory thinking behind that, the the Pokemon gotta catch them all is so perfect. I love it. The sites that do that get a double thumbs up. There, that's a <laughs> uh, that's a, a a really great way to do it. Um, People can think, you know, making a long password is difficult because how am I going to remember 1QH7 caret percent mm. greater than C uppercase H, you know, and just going on for 64 characters? And the answer is you're not. You're not going to remember that. And that gets us back to the password management tools that we were talking about previously where you can have completely random characters that you never need to remember. A 64-character string is no problem for a character uh, for a password manager to remember and you don't have to because it's on all your devices yep. right yeah and yeah. it's just <laughs> it's there taken care of for you for the passwords that you need to remember that you can't you, you know like the password to your password manager um, you'll want a couple of ones that you know you know in case of emergency, such as your email password is another good one to, oh, to really? know. Okay. Um, I never thought of that. Yeah. Because, like, how many passwords do you think you know, you remember right now? Like, three? Five, maybe. So, my my laptop password, my phone password, my password manager password. I have another password vault that I use for work um, that won't. I can't use my password manager for. I mean, I keep that password in there, but I I can't automate it. So, I have to. I have that one memorized. Um, I actually do not have my email password me memorized. That is in two different managers, so I have the redundancy there. Uh, so I would say five. I have five yeah. passwords. Not bad. I know that you're memorized. always prompted with that window. Yeah. Enter uh, password. My password <laughs> manager has over eight hundred passwords in. Wow, great. So. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. I, like I, I remember five out of 800. <laughs> <laughs> um, and including junk sites, my, my shortest password in my password manager, because it has a tool that tells me this is eight characters, and that's for sites that have a, you know. A minimum, the, yeah. They, well, have the, the restrictions <laughs> and things like that. So, yeah, I have a couple of eight-character eight passwords. But for the most part, I just take the sliders on it, push, it, push them all the way to the right. <laughs> We've wandered. Uh, getting back to the the how do you remember a long password, and it gets back to the randomizing words. Uh, there's a dice game that's on the this. Uh, it was a fantastic project, and I, I'm going to make a note now to look it up and talk about it next time. Uh, there was a young lady uh, that was doing a science project for school, and she wanted a good way to make secure passwords, and so it involved a dictionary, two six-sided die, and that was how you generated, you know, you would roll the dice four times and that would make your password for you. And so it's four words randomly chosen from the dictionary that you can remember. You can make a an sort of memory tool for, I don't remember what those are called. Um, where you, mnemonic uh, devices. Mnemonic devices, yeah, for remembering it. And, um, XKCD has an excellent cartoon on this, and it's the horse staple uh, 
something something and you know and it goes through the tooling for remembering those four words um latest math on it is saying six words now instead of four words but for the most part you know four five plus character words are going to to get you a, a pretty strong password six will will give you a very strong password yeah, I was actually going to ask that. Is it better to do the words than a random array of gibberish with special characters? So length is what matters, honestly. Mm. And the more variation that you have in there, having the special characters, if you, you know, if you can type in extended character sets using, you know, umlauts or uh, sets or, you know, other, you know, the accented E's and I's from French and... Uh, Eastern languages, then you can get even more complicated. But the, your standard UTF-8 character set, you know, words are words are fine. Uh, it's just hard to remember a 64-character password with mm -hmm. all of those. And you, I mean, of course, it. but it goes without saying that you would recommend against a meaningful phrase. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to want to to go. I love Betsy. You know, that's not a that's not great. It's better than ABC123, but only marginally so. You you really do want random passwords that you're not going to find, you know, so you can't do dictionary attacks on phrases. You know, you, you know Mets won the World Series is not a good password. Um, <laughs> but maybe Mets, Celebration, uh, Cookies, Beer. You know, that's... Better. It's the same concept, but it's, it's better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, where would the 90s era hacker intercapping <laughs> come into the scale of password effectiveness? Leap speak. <laughs> 3117, baby. Um, it's irrelevant. It's, the, yeah. it's just another dictionary. You know, that does not obfuscate it at all. It's just a, a straight up dictionary attack. We'll, we'll break that in seconds. Um, the, another good site for checking these things, um, actually, it's a tool. It's ZXCVBN. Wow. Yeah, that's hard to remember. It's easy for me to see because I'm looking at my keyboard. It's the bottom row. And it is a password creation or a password checking tool uh, that if you're a programmer and you want to, uh, you have a site and people are creating logins and you want that progress bar of how good it is, this is an open source tool that can tell you how good it is. It also has a really simple web interface where you can put your password in there and see how strong it is. And it gives you things like this would, you know, on a single CPU computer, it would take 100,000 years to crack this password. But on a, you know, on your average cloud, you know, botnet, it would take 10 seconds or something like that. And, um, so cool. it, it'll, it'll give a... Uh, if you like playing around with that sort of thing, again, that's ZXCVBN is the name of the tool, and you can find it on GitHub. On a QWERTY keyboard. It's the last. Yeah, yeah the bottom left <laughs> cool. string of uh, characters. That's like the Cosmo quiz for password nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I just have a comment because I think it's super fun for me to go to someone's house and then I'm like, oh, what's your Wi-Fi password? I think it says a lot about a person. I mean, honestly, from whether or not you've, A, changed it from the default. <laughs> yes. Um, and then if you have changed it, you know, are you aware of what's strong? Or maybe it's just your pet name or maybe it says something about your personality. But I just, I get a huge kick out of it. 
Yeah, our our house Wi-Fi is. I set that password. Oh God, it was something my dad came up with twenty some years ago, and I litified it eighteen years ago, and it's been the same. Yeah, you know, I I just used that password on the Wi-Fi, so it's been Ooh, the same for good, eighteen. Right? Yeah, it's it, our our home Wi-Fi. I'm not that, <laughs> that concerned about it. If it was something that I wanted to make actually secure, we'd use you know some of the products and stuff that I work with on a day-to-day basis, and everybody would get their own username and password to enter the the Wi-Fi. But yeah. so, does our password say that you're a nostalgic guy? Yes. It says I'm an old geek. That's exactly what our password says. So it's says. appropriate. So that's it. It, it, it's it like is it's accurate. My theory. It is exactly. absolutely accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like the you know a, a person's dog looks you know looks like them. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, exactly. You, you walk down the street, you see the 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 portly uh, middle-aged guy walking the pug, and it's like, yep, those two those two absolutely belong together. And my our our Wi-Fi password belongs with me. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Someone needs to make a comment about that. They're, they're <laughs> VLAN Submi- the submissions welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I also love it when you are in a public place um, and all of a sudden you're on the Wi-Fi because it's <laughs> the same default Wi-Fi password as someplace else you've been. Yeah. That's happened a few times. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Change Convenient, your defaults. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Admin admin <laughs> is not a good username <laughs> password for your for access to your router. And the number of times I've gone over to, to acquaintances houses and someone's like oh i'm having problems can you help me with this and i just you know go to the default route and type in admin admin and oh look here i am in your your wi-fi configuration it's all good but most people don't think about that no. or even know about it right? a lot of people thing. yeah they turn on their router and it works and the password's on the back of it and they mm-hmm. it's fine they never go into any of the configurations it's not a thing they need to do yeah and also when people come over they say oh well it's the password's at the bottom, bottom of the, of the router <laughs> yeah, yeah just <laughs> so. flip up, flip out go over and, and fi- grab physically grab my equipment and turn it over and yeah because the easiest way to get access to something is to have it in your hands so so would you say that's really any real problem, though? I mean, for a home network, let's just say. Um, well, I mean, it's better that, you know, manufacturers are giving out random passwords for the, mm-hmm. so that it comes with a pre-randomized password so that you're less likely to wander into someone's house and <laughs> automatically have access to their Wi-Fi. But, yeah, I, I don't, do not recommend maintaining the default password. Because mm-hmm. someone can steal it and just start uploading a bunch of, like, kitty porn or something, right? Uh, or, you know, here in Germany, downloading. Okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> down, you know, the, the person whose network you're on is liable for the content that you're downloading. So if you go over to your friend's house and you start, you know, downloading illegal mm. movies and stuff like that, the German government is going to go over the, you know, the person who was downloading that. That's the, who gets in trouble. So mm-hmm. less of a problem in the States where... They don't give a damn, but <laughs> was there something yeah, else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, just look over. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, I had a question, really, it's mostly about Wi-Fi. It's not, well, maybe it's yeah. about passwords. I don't know, let's just see. So okay. <laughs> is there a real difference? This is, you know, when you're going in a public place and you have Wi-Fi that has a lock on it and mm-hmm. you have to enter the password up front, or if you, if it's open, but then when you join it, then you have to, like, register like does it really matter to you from a security perspective or privacy perspective yeah is the answer um <laughs> yes and no. so yes yes and no you can so the the process that you're talking about there is called uh 
either using in, uh, WEP, you know, wire equivalency protection, or WAP, uh, where you're logging in with a password, and that's setting an encryption on your connection, or captive portal is mm. what the, the term is for that when you access the the Wi-Fi and then it pops up a web page or on your mobile device it opens a window that says, you know, and give me your, your email address and then you can have access to my Wi-Fi. Um, the, the captive portal by default is merely blocking entrance into it. It's not by, again, by default encrypting your traffic. So to a certain extent, the password is, you know, if you go someplace that uses a password, that is better for some value of better. But when you're on public Wi-Fi, don't ever do anything on public Wi-Fi that you don't want someone who can just literally look over your shoulder and see what you're doing know about. Don't do your, your finances on the cafe network. It's just not a good idea. Even with the encryption protocols and stuff, if you and I are on the same network, there's a lot. I have there's a lot of things that I can do that give me access to your data to varying degrees that you wouldn't have being on separate networks. And it's just a good idea, you know. Read your email, um, check Facebook, read the news, that sort of thing. But don't don't be putting in passwords, you know, go, go to places where you're cookied in or you're using uh, some form of OAuth for or tokenized access. These are things like your email and your uh, your Facebook and uh, social media Well, you're stuff. already logged in, yep. basically. Essentially, you're pre-logged in. Um, that's using a token authentication system, and so there's a lot of tooling around that that is harder to grab in some cases and depending on how it's packaged, it's easier in others. But yeah, that's getting off into the weeds. But yeah, don't don't sit down at the at your inter- local internet cafe and log into your bank account with your, you know, username and password on there on on the Wi-Fi. That's just generally a bad idea, especially if you don't use MFA or anything like that. Okay. Well, I guess that's a separate uh, episode then, perhaps. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. where to use Wi-Fi and maybe not. I mean, I don't know. use it. The public Wi-Fi's are, are a wonderful, wonderful tool. This is, you know, think about it like walking down the street. You know, you don't you, you don't put on armor every time you go walking down the street, but you do pay attention to what's going on around you. It's the same way on the internet. You know. Mm-hmm. It, really, think of the internet like real life, because these days, it is. And when you're on the public internet, you're out in public. I just feel like, you know, if you're traveling somewhere and there's a problem with your bank, and because they didn't realize you were traveling, oh, i got to get into a public cafe and then fix this. So, so, but well, that's, I again, mean, we can... emergency situations <laughs> are exactly that. They're emergency situations. You go in and you log in, and then you just be aware of the fact that you've done that. When you get back to some place that you feel is secure, change change your passwords out of a you know dearth of precaution, mm-hmm. and you know double check. Most banking websites these days tell you when the last time you logged in was. Make sure that that lines up with when the last time you logged in. And if it isn't, then contact your bank and tell them I believe there was a breach, and they'll help you with that. Fair enough. Cool. And I mean, even even uh, Twitter. And Facebook now will tell you that, you know, 
oh, it looks like someone logged into your account from this IP address at this time. Was was that actually you? And, mm-hmm. you know, they've set up a cookie. Do you want to delete that cookie? So these are, you know, these are things that you can check. All, all of the modern sites have these these tools around them. And if someone hacks into your motorcycle forums web page, you know. It's, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. Well, cool. That's all the questions that I had. Yeah. Is there anything else that you? I had actually talk wanted about? to talk about MFA today. Oh, okay. um, cool. Multi-factor authentication and when to use it and when not to, and tools for using it. Uh, there's a, a a bunch of good things. Again, you know, so all of your important things turn MFA on. Uh, <laughs> just do that. There's password managers like LastPass and. One password, at least those two that I know of, offer uh, MFA tools built in, and that is questionably effective uh, because it is not no longer multi-factor. <laughs> it mm. is now. Uh, so let's back up a little bit and define what a password actually is, and it's something you know and something that you have. So basically, you're or, or something you are. So your username is who you are. And then your password is something you know. And then adding another factor is something that you have. So in the old days, there was those RSA key fobs that you may have seen. Uh, and they have a string of numbers that, uh, that change every 30 seconds. And you just look at this LED screen and it'll give you a set of numbers. And that would, you know, old school VPNs and things like that would would use those. And that was a thing that you had. It was a physical device that you had to carry with you to know what you were doing. Nowadays, they have tools. So your your smartphone, there's a couple of applications, Google Authenticator. Um, again, the LastPass and 1Password have uh, apps that will do this. Uh, and there's lots of other free ones out there. Uh, Duo, D-U-O, is a multi-factor uh, tool. Um, lots and lots of things. And that will allow you to do like push notifications that are another factor or the, that string of numbers that updates over time. Um, so it's who you are, something you know, and something you have. Those are the, the multiple factors. And uh, I think I've gone a little bit preachy on this because I can see Shmoo's eyes glazing no, I over. I just wanted to say that I completely understand now why... This philo- philosophical sort of component of your life <laughs> melds so well with security. Yeah, it's like really Greek. <laughs> I, I <did. laughs> uh, um, so, getting back to the the using the password manager for that, you're taking away the something you have because it's now your password and this other code are in the same location. So whether that's truly multi-factor or not is questionable. Philosophical question. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the vast majority of the security professionals I know would recommend against using that. Uh, I'm going to withhold judgment because sometimes ease of use trumps true security uh, and sometimes it's more important to be actually secure. So if you're a high-value target, don't do this. <laughs> it's, it, you know, you're the CEO of a $100 million corporation that's dealing in Bitcoins, and you know people are going to be coming after you. 
this is not the most secure way to do it. Make sure it is a separate device that is providing that additional factor. Um, don't use the 1Password or the LastPass multi-factor authentication. If you're, uh, you know, just trying to be more secure and lower your uh, the, the number of ways that people can attack you, this is an excellent way to easily uh, leverage using multi-factor authentication because it's a single click. The tools populate your uh, your buffers, so you can just paste without having to click anything, and it just it just works. Again, trading convenience for security and some value thereof. Um, uh, talk about a job I would never want as the. CEO of a Bitcoin <laughs> corporation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a, a couple of really, really interesting, well, to me, really interesting blogs about how several of them were hacked, you know, and mm. they they had um, uh, computer forensics do, a, you know, trace back how these things happened and such. It's, it's super interesting. The vast majority of them, as always, is the human factor and... There was a an internal compromise. Wow! So it's it, their passwords weren't hacked. They they didn't. It wasn't that someone stole, you know, broke into their their last password or their one password and decrypted their passwords and figured out how to do it. Nope they they got somebody on the inside and, and converted them. It's old old school espionage. <laughs> Still, the easiest way to get into someone's network is to ask for it. Hey, Bob, can I have access to that? Well, yes, yes, you can. Here you go. Wow. Well, anyway, going back to MFA, <laughs> which I always think is something with like, um, I get it confused with MMA. Because <laughs> it feels like that to Mixed me. Mixed martial I, arts. Yes, I, I often feel like, oh, I don't even want to set it up because, oh, my God, what if I lose my device like what if my phone goes in the toilet or something and when you're setting I, it up for every site they give you unlock keys and I know. you and you store I don't know those. Where those are because <laughs> the thing is i think i keep them in my dropbox right which i need to get into using one of the other methods that i would need to unlock in order to get into it so then i get really really afraid and i believe maybe 10 years ago i printed them out one time and put mm -hmm. them someplace but i don't know where i put them yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. <laughs> so Storage, secure storage is another topic that we will get into. Ooh, Absolutely. I, I don't know if it'll be next week or a couple weeks down the road, but having, you know, where is the place where I keep my secrets? And, uh, uh, especially when you have kind of a semi-nomadic lifestyle mm -hmm. like we do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't so know. So <laughs> Dropbox is, you know, and you do have a chicken and egg situation there of how do I get into it? Me. I, I like leveraging tools, and so you can store those as encrypted documents inside of your password manager. Or you can just tattoo it on your chest. Yes, yeah, you could go the memento route <laughs> and you know start tattooing them on the backs of your thighs where you need a mirror to see what they are. Yeah, that's, it, actually, I think that's gonna be a new trend. <laughs> new style, get it on, you know, the new facial tattoos mm -hmm. are just gonna be series of uh, rows of- Tiny numbers. Yeah, it's gonna be, Two, two rows of five groups of uh, eight-digit alphanumerics. There you go. It's the, it, you heard it here for, first, folks. It's going to be the new, new trend. <laughs> well, on the other hand, I, uh, with MFA, I do find it super satisfying. Like, for example, when you're setting up your uh, WhatsApp 
web interface and you have to like do the QR code. And it's like so satisfying when your camera on your phone like snaps into place, right? And it's like, oh, it's already done. That <laughs> didn't part have to I click, love. Didn't have to, to click, click any anything, buttons. Nope. It just it just worked. It knew it, yeah. And I love it when it just works. So that's a again. This is getting back into a UI UX <laughs> environment over the no no. In, this is an important <laughs> component of security that a lot of people don't take into account. How important it is to be able to not only make it a an intuitive experience, but an enjoyable one. Something, you know, give that little dopamine kick of, you know, gamification <laughs> and make this a fun thing. You know, when we're millionaires, <laughs> I would love to actually have, like, a grant for UI UX people to make these more fun. Yeah. I would totally do that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do think that there's a number of companies out there that actually, you know, put effort into making this better. The, you know, ZXCVBN is not, doesn't roll off the tongue, <laughs> but it is made for developers to make their interfaces easier to use, just like that. The tool itself isn't a great UI, but it it is, it's the the infrastructure for allowing developers to make excellent, to make great UI. And that's why, I, that, that's where I get my kicks. So. <laughs> You, you like it when the QR code snaps into place. I love seeing a good tool made. It's just ah, so, so satisfying. I should leave you alone now. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is a purely G-rated yes, <laughs> podcast, we're all so we're, we're fine. <laughs> but uh, I okay. think that wraps it up for today. Yeah, that was so great. So I'd love to hear any questions or feedback that you have. Tell me how, oh, what I'm saying is completely wrong, and instead of that, you should do this, 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 and this, and I'd... I'd love to uh, talk about that on the next show. Thanks.